It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello and welcome to the show. I couldn't be more excited today to talk with my guest, Joining me is Butch Bella, sales author, trainer, and speaker. Butch has just published a great new book called Sales Management for Dummies. You know, we all know managing sales is hard and growing sales is hard work. And if you're an entrepreneur or a new business owner or maybe just a newly promoted sales rep working at your first management job, then Butch's new book, Sales Management for Dummies, provides a useful guide for learning the basic skills you need to become a successful sales manager. So, Butch, welcome to the show. Andy, thanks so much for having me. I really do appreciate it. So, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I uh, thirty plus years experience in sales. I uh, my first sales job selling grit newspapers at ten years old, and <laughs> so I was lucky enough to find that uh, what I wanted to do and, and gravitated towards the world of sales. So, so what was a grit newspaper? Oh, you don't know what grit newspaper? No, grit no. newspaper was the old newspaper published. Uh, I think probably generally in the South back in the sixties and seventies, and you could order them out of the back of comic books. And I, I can remember. That, uh, you know, most of my friends were looking at the decoder rings and the x-ray glasses and things like that. And I, I was going, okay, wait a minute. You mean I can buy this newspaper for 50 cents a piece, sell it for a dollar, and I get to keep the other 50 cents? And so I, I learned at a very young age that I loved the idea of being able to write my own paycheck. And uh, So what was the content in a grit newspaper? It was a almost a rural type weekly newspaper um, that was almost like a farmer's almanac, if you will, of a newspaper. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, I I don't think they're still around. Um, it was kind of like uh, Boys Life, if you remember back in sure, those days. Sure. That magazine. I hate to and say it. it. A, I hate to say it, but I do yeah, remember. It was uh, it was a actual weekly newspaper. They would come to my house, and I would go stand outside the grocery store and sell them, and that's how I made my money. What was your pitch? Uh, hey, you need a grit newspaper. And, and, and everybody <laughs> did. It's a buck. Hey, come on. You got a buck on you. I know you do. <laughs> and people, they recognized what it was then. Oh, sure. Yeah, okay. it, was, right. it, was, it was very, very well known where I was living in Texas and Louisiana at the time. Got it. Got it. Now, at some point in your journey before, uh, not to jump too far ahead, but you were a stand-up comedian. I was. Uh, I was hired into the wholesale distribution business at 21 years old and... I tell everybody I was promoted four times before I could see the bottom rung of the ladder. It was I was that far down. But uh, during that ascent in that career, I uh, was out at a comedy club one night, and it was one of those things to where the other couple with, with us and my wife said, you know, you're as funny as the guys do an open mic night. And so the next Sunday I went up, did five minutes, and absolutely killed. And within six months, I was – traveling the highways and byways every weekend, doing stand-up at uh, some of the largest clubs and colleges in the nation. And it was one of those things to where I hit a home run the first time up and just kept going. And I don't I don't think anybody's a natural at it. It was one of those things that I, I think I had been preparing silently my whole life for. I was voted wittiest my senior year of high school, which to me was like getting – you know, uh, an Emmy, an Oscar, a Tony, and any other award you can think of rolled into one. <laughs> I, 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 you know, could have cared less about most handsome or most athletic. Not, not that I had a shot at either one of them. You know, but uh, being named wittiest was like uh, the highlight of my high school career. 
So you're still working wholesale distribution, but doing comedy clubs on the weekend. Exactly. And the owner of the company, my mentor to this day, I still talk to him about once every couple of weeks. He encouraged it. And we both knew at the time I was getting great public speaking training. You, you lose all fear of public speaking and, and the microphones and so forth. And you get very, very comfortable on stage. But the thing I really didn't know, and I, I talk to salespeople about today when I speak and train, is, and, and only afterward, I guess, that I really realize it, but I was getting some of the best sales training that I had ever gotten. And simply because uh, there were several aspects of being a professional stand-up comic that turned out to be very, very useful in building a, a, a successful sales career. Obviously, prospecting, you're on the phone all the time with comedy clubs, mm -hmm. videotapes, press kits, or you're going to be home on Saturday night. Right. Because they just don't come to you. There's enough other guys out there that will go do a set instead of them having to bring you in. So you've got to constantly be selling yourself. But the biggest thing that I learned was sales scripting and voice inflection. And by that, I mean I would do, you know, I talked about doing five minutes at open mic. By the time I... I stopped doing it, and I won't say I retired because I, you know, as the old Rodney Dangerfield line says, you know, when I retired, I was doing so well that I was the only one that knew I retired. But <laughs> it was one of those things to where um, when I stopped doing it and really was able to look back on it, I, I had literally handwritten all of these jokes. And it made me understand the value of scripting and the value of my voice inflection because the whole trick to stand-up comedy is no matter how long you do it, I did it for 10 years, how long you do it, how many times you deliver that same joke over and over and over. You know, the Rolling Stones have been singing the same songs for 50 years and they still have to make the crowd get into it and play it with enthusiasm. Well, the same goes for a joke. And to be able to deliver that joke in a way to where the crowd thinks, man, he is so funny. He just thought of that line. No, I've been doing it 46 nights in a row, and I'm going to be doing it in Des Moines tomorrow night. Mm -hmm. And that was the real, I guess, aha moment for me that in sales, when you ask for a sale, you're doing the same thing. You don't want to be so scripted that you sound canned, but you want to be planned. You want to know what you're going to say, but you've got to sell it to the prospect in a way that they're the only person in the world to ever hear it. Well, it has to feel fresh, right? I mean, that's, Absolutely. that's the thing. And you have to keep it fresh. You have to keep it fresh. I mean, robotic salespeople drive me nuts. That's right. We got all this emphasis on scripting these days for salespeople. And I know you're talking about scripting, but you're talking about, I believe, without putting words in your mouth, you're talking about you have to internalize it. It has yeah. to become part right. of you. I, I call it planned, not canned. I want to know what I'm going to say, not necessarily exactly how I'm going to say it. Because, and, and to give you an example, I I would um, learn to uh, search for a word and uh, pause and 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 act like I've I've lost my train of thought. Now I knew exactly what I was going to say right then. And he just demonstrated that on exactly. air, by the way. Right? Absolutely. But I knew exactly what I was going to say right then. But the use of your voice is so strong. It's the strongest tool you have. And salespeople, a lot of times when they ask for the sale, they have a tendency to raise their voice up and speed up. And what I because they're them, afraid. Exactly. And what I tell them is that it is much more powerful if you'll drop it down, lower the pace, 
drop the cadence and lean in and put some passion in your voice. And that's what sells. I like it. I like it. How do you teach that? It, it practice, 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 practice. Yeah, yeah. And it and it's your voice is an instrument, and and you learn to use it the more the more you do use it. Yeah, no, absolutely. But you have to be conscious of it, right? I mean, it's, as you said, it's just not repetition. And repetition no. gives you a certain amount of practice, but you have to be repeating the right type of behaviors. Right. What's the old saying? Practice makes perfect. No, perfect practice makes perfect. And uh, you're, you're exactly right. You have to know exactly what you're doing and you have to know some of the nuances. And I tell people, if you want to see a great example of it, go watch the movie A Few Good Men. Mm-hmm. And the, the scene where Jack Nicholson says, you can't handle the truth. Right. Now, he, here's the thing, and I'll, I'll use the David Letterman, Rush Limbaugh paper that you can hear on over the, the interview. When he got that script... It said, you can't handle the truth. But that's not how he delivered it. So even though you script out your, your open, your close, your ask for the question, uh, your ask for the sale, uh, some questions that you want to ask the prospect, whatever you script out, you've got to make it believable. And, and I tell people all the time, the greatest thing about sales and about about comedy was the I knew what the crowd was going to do you you think people are, are going there to have a good time no they're sitting there going okay fat boy make me laugh mm-hmm. yeah there's a challenge mm-hmm. well and prospects have a little bit of that in them too oh, okay? absolutely right try to sell me something all right right let me see what you got well the guard's well, automatically up exactly <laughs> and so right. you have to bring that down and you have got that long to win them over and it's a it's a challenge, but you have to seek that out. And your voice is the great equalizer in doing that to get them over to your side. Yeah, I think your reference to a few good men is is fantastic because I actually like the part right before he gets to a you know you can't handle the truth where he's talking about you need people like me and exactly. and when he starts talking about that, there's almost like a sing song quality in his voice that's so compelling. Right. Yeah, and I tell people to watch that because that is, to me, as much as as you can't handle the truth, that is that draws you in. The sure. voice draws you in, and that's what you want to be able to do with your prospects. Well, and the thing about it is I always say that if a prospect gives me their time and listens and they don't buy, it is always my fault. Mm-hmm. Any salesperson I coach or train or work with or any any time I, sp- I, I tell everybody, if the prospect gives you their time and they listen and you don't end up with a sale, it is your fault. Stop blaming the prospect. And I know everybody that's listening, right? well, what if they can't afford it? Well, you didn't do a good job qualifying. If you went through the whole process with somebody that can't afford it, somebody needs to work on their qualifying skills. Mm-hmm. And so at any point that you ask for the sale and end up with a no, it's your fault. And if once you get to the point where you're comfortable enough in your own skin to re, to recap that and say, okay, what did I, how could I have done better here? That's when you start becoming a superstar. Yeah. I mean, I phrase it a little bit differently, but along the same lines, which is the customer invests their time in you. And so they need a return on that investment. Absolutely. And so if you're not able to deliver the value that gives them a return, then A, you're not going to get any more time, and B, you're certainly not going to get the order. 
And and, and everybody, well, they I tell you what, it's all, I tell you what, the people are this, that, the government, this, that, the economy, this, that. No, it's you. Somebody's selling something that you sell today, I promise you. Oh, yeah, right. How often are you all by yourself out in the marketplace, right? Exactly. Yeah, very rarely. Well, especially, look at the business you and I are in, right? I mean, there's... <laughs> there's <laughs> Hundreds. Uh, thousands. I mean, yeah. yeah. Every unemployed sales manager is a sales expert, right? A sales consultant. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. No, it's right. Customer, invest some other time. You have to give them an ROI on that time. The thing about it, Andy, is that it, the, the prospect knows what they're going to say. I promise you. So you got to know what you're going to say. You should, no salesperson should ever, ever, ever be going into a presentation or on their, own, on their way to a presentation or about to ask for the sale. And in their mind, they're thinking, man, I sure hope they don't say this, or I hope they don't say whatever. If you know, they're going to say it, you better know how to overcome it. Well, it, right. It, if you haven't, if you haven't gamed out what you think they will say, right. then yeah, shame on you. It, it's just like the lines of a play. They have this line, then you have to respond with this line. And once you learn your line, you've got to know their lines as well as they do because they know them. You know, everybody talks about a born salesman. I don't believe in that. I think there's born buyers and their first words are no, no, uh, no, can't afford, you know, don't want it, you know. Um, but once you know what they're going to say, you you better be prepared with a way to overcome that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's start talking a little bit about sales management here for a few minutes sure. before we take a break. And and. What is sort of your overall, in this new book that you've written, the Sales Management for Dummies, which is, you know, people get out of your head. It's not for idiots or dummies. It's right. it's just, you know, it's really a beginner's guide in many respects. So what is your overall sort of overarching sales management philosophy? Uh, well, I'll tell you, the, the one thing that I, I came away from this project with was, uh, obviously, it was very flattering to be asked to write it. And it's uh, it was uh, 14 weeks of really, really, really hard work. Um but I tell you the thing that, that struck me, to be honest with you, Andy, there's a lot of books for salespeople. There's a ton of them. Mm -hmm. There are very few for sales managers. And I think that for some reason, there is this assumption that when you get to be a sales manager, oh, he's got it all figured out or she's, oh, she's got it down now. She's sales manager. That was when my biggest learning curve took place. Mm -hmm. Because right, I had nobody necessarily I could run to to ask that question, and well, in addition to which, in addition to which, you're still learning sales yourself. Exactly, and oh, you have to understand that. And, and and I break it down this way: as sales manager, you have sales in your title, so you've got to keep the floor happy, or the field happy, or the team happy, and understand and be empathetic to their needs. But you've also got manager in your title. So you better keep the corner office happy or the shareholders happy and balance budgets and meet numbers and all this kind of stuff. So you're really betwixt and between. You are on an island by yourself. And in writing this 300, whatever it is, page book, I I really tried to create the book that I always wished that I could have turned around and had on my credenza uh, when I needed it on a Monday morning or a Friday afternoon, and I was sitting there going, what the heck am I supposed to be doing? Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. everybody goes through it. But th the sad part is they always think, 
well, I'm the only one and I can't tell anybody that I don't know or I'm going to look stupid. Right, because they hired me no, to be a manager. And I exactly. Don't, Guess no. what? If you if you had known all that stuff going in, you would have already been a manager. Exactly. All right. We're going to take a short break. Now, before we do, though, I'm going to pose a hypothetical scenario to you. This is a question I ask every one of my guests, and I'll give you a minute to think about it while we go to the okay. break. You ready? All right. So here's the scenario. You've just been hired as a new sales manager at a company that desperately needs to turn their sales around. And senior management is really anxious for this to happen. And so the pressure is kind of on. So what would you do in the first week? What two things would you do in the first week that could have the biggest impact? So think about that, and we'll come back and talk about it after the break with my guest today, Butch Bella. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly 1,000 companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Hello, and welcome back to the show with my guest today, Butch Bella, who's going to share more of his advice about how to become a great sales manager. But before we do, we're going to talk about the scenario I posed for you before the break. New sales manager company that needs to desperately turn around their sales, what two things would you do in the first week that would have the biggest impact? First thing I would do is meet with the probably the half dozen largest customers and one-on-one and ask them, what do you need from us that you're not getting? What do we need to do more of? What do we need to do less of? What do we do that you like? What do we do that you don't like? What are we doing that bugs you? How can we be better service to you? Uh, the second thing I would do is meet with my top salespeople, if not all of them, depending on the size of the force, and ask them the exact same questions because those are the people in the trenches. They're where the rubber meets the road. And too many times I have seen organizations that management wants to sit in an ivory tower in a corner office and make all the decisions and expect other people to carry them out, yet they they have no idea what the customer wants or what the salespeople and the sales team needs. And with that being said, and I don't want to take up too much time on this particular answer, but I think it's important. take, Take your time. I see companies all the time making decisions on what they think their customer wants without even asking the customer what they want. I've seen companies design entire programs thinking, okay, this is what they want. This is what they need. And they have not even asked the customer if that's what they need. And we, we, you've had every, probably every one of your guests talks about the, the law of reciprocity. And I think it is as simple as that of asking the customers, what do you need from us to be a good supplier and to be a, a great partner to you or to, for us to fulfill your needs? And then ask your sales team, what is it you need from us as a management team to provide you so that you can be really, really good at what you do? Great answer. Good. Love it. So back to your book a little bit. So All right. you have a chapter. Talk about the t- title, The Ten Traits of a successful sales manager. So what are some of those traits? Tell the people listening. The 10 traits of a successful sales manager. Well, and, and first of all, I think that any, uh, any 
um, list uh, of ten things that that you put together is as as useful as the person doing. I think there any, anybody listening could put together a list of ten traits. The, the first thing that I start off there with is is having the heart of a teacher, and I think it is important um, for a sales manager. Because too many times I see people take their best salesperson and promote them to a sales manager and think it's going to work. Well, that's not necessarily the case. And the, the example I use and have used for the last couple of years, if you look at the NFL, the Harbaugh brothers turned out to be great head coaches in the NFL. Neither were great players. So your best salespeople don't make the best managers, and it's not the same skill set. You need someone that has the heart of a teacher, has the patience to work with someone to really get to the root of what that particular salesperson's um, issue is. Without going through all ten, uh, well, let's, let's let's delve in on that one a little bit. So, okay, because that speaks to a topic that I'm really um, passionate about, which is let's start with a couple of topics. Actually, first okay. one is is managing versus coaching. Right, so it seems to be this real dilemma among certain, you know, maybe younger sales managers these days, where they seem to be so under pressure to make the number that they sort of bury their head in the CRM system and you know forecasts and the data and so on, but they don't get out and coach their people to be better. And to me, that's the number one responsibility of a sales manager is to coach the people that work for them. Absolutely, and 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 again, to to use a sports analogy. Um, you you cannot uh, well I tell you this in, in a former life uh, I I was I got to one of the fun things I got to do after I, I left the wholesale distribution business I had a five year non compete and one of the fun things I got to do I was general manager of an arena football team and the football coach used to tell me Butch if we see it on film we're either coaching it to happen or we're allowing it to happen and wow i thought how what a great sales lesson that is yeah, he's got a film to watch of a football game and his comment was if we see it on film we're either coaching it to happen or we're allowing it to happen now turn that around and ask yourself that as a manager if your people are performing in a way are you teaching them that or are you allowing them to get away with it because mm-hmm. if one of the two happens and so I think you're exactly right. You cannot bury your head in the sand and just pray that they get better at it or cross your fingers and hope that they find a four-leaf clover. You've got to get out there amongst them. And, and you know, as I talk about in the book, don't ever ask them to do something you haven't done or wouldn't do yourself. But along with that heart of a teacher, I think, comes another trait, and that's having the curiosity in the mind of a student. Because I, I'm, I'm very upfront. Anytime I coach someone, train someone, or go to speak for an organization, I will tell them first rattle out of the box, hey, guess what? I'm going to learn more than anybody else here today. And the reason is, is I go into those situations prepared to learn. And I think once you have your antenna up for those opportunities to learn and to, to grab onto something that you don't know, you can learn something from everybody. And I think that sometimes sales managers get that management-itis and think that, well, I've got the job now and my learning days are over. Well, that that's a very, very closed mindset that's going to have you sitting in that same chair for a long time if you last that long. Yeah, I was going to say, you're not going to last that long. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is that you should constantly be learning and growing. 
And I've learned from, I've learned more from the salespeople I've managed than probably that I've taught them. Oh, I feel the same about my, I shouldn't say this on the air, but I feel the same about the clients I work with. Sure. I, I always learn more from them. I sometimes feel bad about it. I learn more from them than they learn from me. But here's the thing. You, you, you go into it with the curiosity of a student, though, Andy. You go in wanting to learn. And, and, and people have to let that guard down that it's okay not to know. It's okay to not uh, understand everything there is to know about your job description, that it is a living, breathing document, and you have, you have uh, years, uh, decades to, to grow into it, and it will change by the time you do. But try to make progress every single day. Oh, I think that's absolutely. What am I going to learn today that's going to make me better at my job? Absolutely. And it seems like we have this issue in sales is that, you know, certainly sales reps and to a certain degree sales managers is they think that unless the training or the education is bestowed on them by their employer, that they don't seem to invest a lot of their own selves and their own time into you know, perfecting the craft and learning more about their, their job. I mean, how do you, how do you address that? Um, first of all, I think that it is up to everyone to take control of their own knowledge. Um, Jim Rohn was famous for saying that uh, successful people have big libraries and little TVs. Unsuccessful people have big TVs and little libraries. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> there is, there's no excuse today in 2015 to not know anything you want to know. No excuse. Uh, it's the curiosity that's the issue, though, right. the want, right? 30 years ago, 40 years ago, even 20 years ago. Yeah, okay, maybe so. But with the advent of the internet and with podcasts like this and audio books and er everything that is available to you, what Zig Ziglar used to call Automobile University, if you are not learning something constantly, I promise you, you're going backwards. And, and I don't want to get off on a tangent, but you've kind of struck a nerve because this is very, very important to me because I want people to at least leave this conversation with a desire to learn. And when I speak, I, I just spoke recently to about 300 real estate agents, and I, and, and I do this when I, I ask how many people have a, a smartphone, and, and about 299 hands go up. And then I say, okay, how many people have a BlackBerry? And literally everybody in the room looks and kind of starts chuckling and laughing, and one guy, one guy out of probably 300 people had a BlackBerry. And so I said, okay, all right, that's fine. Now, how many of you used to have a blackberry and every hand goes back up the day steve jobs stood in front of the world and said let me introduce you to the iphone blackberry research in motion had a 59 percent market share today it's less than two percent because they were fat and happy and thought they didn't need to learn anything. They had this crackberry that people were addicted to, and it was the greatest thing, and they didn't have to innovate, and they didn't have to learn. They didn't have to push the envelope. They didn't have to move forward, and the ground crumbled right out from under them. And I've got news for your listeners. Whether you feel it cracking or not, it's happening in your business today. So you better be moving forward or you're moving backwards. Exactly, exactly. Which is really one of the topics of this whole show is that there's no th such thing as standing still. You None. As soon as you try to protect what you have, you're in trouble. Absolutely. So it's either grow or perish. You exactly. really have two choices. 
Well, excellent. Okay, we're going to move it to the last segment of the show. I've got some rapid-fire questions to ask okay, you. Great. You can give me one-word answers, or you can elaborate if you wish. Are you ready? I'm sure. Sure, I'm ready. First one, what's the most powerful sales tool in your arsenal? My voice. Name one tool you use today for sales or sales management that you can't live without. Um, I'm going to say workboard. It's my my work chat, my, my uh, system that I use to schedule tasks. Now, is that an app? It is. It's a, it's a, it's a Gmail plug-in or, or add-on to Chrome. Uh, it's called Workboard that I really, really like. Huh. I'll have to check that out. I hadn't heard of that. Workboard. Okay. Who's your sales role model? Oh, wow. Zig Ziglar. I was uh, blessed to see him speak uh, three times before he passed away. I, I know the family, and I've gotten to speak at the Ziegler Corporation a couple of times. And uh, Tom actually wrote the co- wrote a real, real nice testimonial on the cover on my first book. And I probably own everything Zig ever wrote. And just uh, I don't know that Tom, uh, the family, and certainly I don't think Zig knew the impact that he had on billions of lives. Oh, yeah. I mean... I saw him speak and have a couple of his books at home. Absolutely. So what's the one book every salesperson should read? Sales management for dummies. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that, that can be. That's, you can say that. That's fine. <laughs> I, 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 as much as I would love that, I will tell you my favorite all-time sales book, as much as I love Zig Ziglar, is one that I, as, as many times as you do this podcast, I doubt this one has come up. And it's one that I love, and I've given away probably 50 copies of this. It's called How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success in Selling by Frank Betger, B-E-T-T-G-E-R. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one, one me, person let, I think has brought it up so far, yeah. Okay. Classic book, warn, though. Oh, it's great. Let me warn your listeners. It is written, and I don't know that it's ever been uh, – well, now, let me say this. The copies I have have never been updated and revised. It's written in the vernacular and the voice of the 40s or 50s whenever it was written. But it is an extremely powerful, motivating book, and I would highly, highly, highly recommend it. Okay. What's your favorite music to listen to to pump yourself up to get psyched up for a sales call? 80s rock. I'm 80s a, rock. Sorry. A child of the 80s. All right. So give me an example. Uh, Which would, one? Give I me a band. Give... From, I would walk from here to your office in New York to hear Journey. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Journey. So what's the first sales activity you do every day? Uh, check email. Okay, last question. The one question you get asked most frequently by salespeople is? How do I ace a sales job interview? Oh, interesting. Okay, what's your answer? Uh, Go in, number one, be honest. Don't overstate your qualifications, but let the interviewer know that you have what I call game. Goals, attitude, motivation, and education that you may not have the product knowledge that they're looking for. There may be someone better suited in that particular industry for product knowledge, but you have the intangibles that they cannot train or teach someone. That is that you're goal-oriented, you have a great attitude, you're motivated, and that you'll continually educate yourself. I like it. All right, people listening to the show, do you have game? As defined by Butch, I love it. Great answer. All right. Well, I want to thank you for joining me today. My guest has been Butch Bella, author. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. So how can people find out more about you? My website, butchbella.com, B-U-T-C-H-B-E-L-L-A-H.com. If your listeners will go to butchbella.com slash accelerate, they can download a free copy 
of my first book, The 10 Essential Habits of Sales Superstars, as my gift to them. Uh, I am starting a sales mastermind group in January. We're taking applications now. They can find that at the website if it's something they would love to be a part of. And it's going to be just a, a lot of fun. And and as we said, you learn something from everybody. And I'm really looking forward to facilitating that. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Sales Power Tips. Or you could find me on LinkedIn, Butch Bella, B-U-T-C-H-B-E-L-L-A-H. Sounds like you've said that once or twice before. So I have, <laughs> and I've always got to spell it for people too. <laughs> hey, I have to spell Andy Paul for people. So that's <laughs> so. Uh, we're going to have all that link and all that information on the website, on the show note show notes page for Butch's episode. So on. Uh, make sure you come back to the website and and get that information. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And subscribing to this podcast is an easy way to do that because then you'll make sure you don't miss any of our conversations with top business experts like our guest today, Butch Bella, who are going to share their experience and expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining us. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com. Hi, this is Andy. I have a special offer for loyal listeners of Accelerate. It's a no-obligation, free trial of my zero-time selling interactive online training. Now, I've worked with thousands of sales reps to teach them how to use my zero-time selling to boost their productivity and transform the results. And so if you want to learn the same proven strategies to help you open more doors, have more effective sales conversations with prospects, and close more orders, then my zero-time selling interactive training system is a fit for you. It's incredibly simple to start. Just take out your smartphone and text the word TRUST, that's T-R-U-S-T, to 96000. Now, do you have your phone ready? Send a text to 96000. That's a nine and a six followed by three zeros. Now, enter the single word message TRUST and hit send, and you hear right back from me with instructions on how to sign up for your free trial on my zero-time selling interactive training. I look forward to seeing you there.